0: back to the movie dome the dome where where all the movies throw down and really get to the get to the gory center that's at all at all movies hearts uh casey talk to me about the anatomy of a movie
1: it's it's the ori gory ooey gooey chewy newy movie podcast
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in a movie you can just bite into for for lots of brain food. Yeah, and by listening to this podcast, we're we're giving you that brain food for free, absolutely free. And y'all should be thankful. Also, it's Joe Biden's America. Okay, anything. That's true. Sure. Today, you're welcome. Today
1: is inauguration day. <laughs>
0: We'll, we'll only be one week late yeah. to it uh when you hear this yeah so, so if something happens you're welcome at inauguration day um
1: <laughs> we won't talk about it till next week <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god yeah it's only the most like scary like threatened event in history right now like People are are legitimately terrified that we're gonna get another capital riot, and I mean, we just simply don't know right now. Right. We're we're in the past, uh, so uh, we, we don't know if that happened. I personally bet it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I think I think we have a lot of security. Yeah.
1: There, also, so. Trump's not even gonna be at the inauguration. He's already flown back to Florida f- this morning. Class
0: act, class act, out right there. Act. Thanks, Don. Mike Pence they though, he's like, I'll watch it at least. And that's kind of always been the dynamic between them is like, you know, Mike Pence is a horrible human being who supports gay conversion therapy. Yeah. But at least whenever the Hamilton cast talks to him, he goes, yeah, they were cool because I uh, have composure and uh, some (laughs) respect for (laughs) political office. True. I don't know. He sucks, but he's better than Trump, but that's a very low low bar, you know yeah,
1: I think uh, yeah, I was thinking I was just <laughs> thinking about the bar for like being better than Trump, but that's not uh, well anyway, uh, speaking of Trump we have a we have a good episode for you today um, but before we get into that, I would just like to mention a couple of things.
0: Oh yes, yes. one. Mentioned.
1: We have a new Twitter account.
0: Yeah, we we have a, a new Twitter. It's at Mind Movies Two. Yeah, because you can't ever come up with an original name without a number in exactly. any, it anymore. You know.
1: Well, okay. <laughs> so when I created it, it didn't even give me the option to pick my username. It just threw that at me, and I was like, okay, really? Yeah, I I got I created the Twitter account, and then it was like your handle is at Mind Over Movies Two, and I was like why that's so stupid
0: i feel like we're living in the shadow of our of our predecessors the other mind over movies podcast that, that had
1: six episodes i found on youtube yeah, yeah.
0: i mean we've we've trounced them yeah. now we're nine episodes it's in, okay you know
1: no we're 10 episodes no this in. is the this Dang. is number 10 dude wait no wow wait, is it or am i just dumb yeah it is number 10 wow wait a minute no it's not
0: yeah it is star wars was last week that was number nine. This is number ten. Oh my lord, you are correct. Right? Well, guys. That's just that's insane. It's
1: episode ten of the Mind Over Movies podcast. How do y'all feel? Tell us in the comments. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or in the Twitter. Or on replies. the Twitter replies,
1: us. yeah. We gotta get that Twitter up. But um second thing I wanted to mention was that I finally got around to oh wait i've watched two things so okay i've got around to watching wonder woman 1984 um nice and can i say you know having the magic conch shell as a villain um (laughs) bold move now i won't say too much about wonder woman 80 uh 1984 since we've already gotten into it but here's just a little tidbit of my extended thoughts um I don't understand why it's called 1984. That's just the time that it was set in. It has nearly nothing to do with the actual movie. Um,
0: yeah, surprisingly tame on the 80s stuff. Yeah. Like, there's not even really any 80s music. I know. In the and movie? That's, re- that was a little bit of a bummer. I
1: know. And I, I remember when it came out, the first reviews were like, oh, the, she captures the 80s perfectly. And I'm just like, I mean, sure, but it's not that impressive anymore because every movie about the 80s or every movie about any decade is, is captured pretty well nowadays if you're doing, like, a period piece. So um, this is not a period piece, obviously, but it's still, it's – I <laughs> mean, it's uh, – it's, yeah, it's the 80s. We get it, and they did a, they did an okay job, but uh, not – but the, the title, you know, made me think of – anyway.
0: Uh, that we were really leaning yeah, into the 80s yeah. or, like, maybe – maybe we were touching on the George Orwell novel. I don't know. Like 1984 has such a significance that date. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, oh, uh, it's not really all that important to the movie. Also here's, um, the plot of never ending story. 10, right. And Kristen Wiig, uh, is there for some, right. Reason.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I was going to say, I actually like Kristen Wiig's performance in this movie. I, I don't think she did half bad as a, uh, as
0: Cheetah. Um, i think it's definitely like an issue with the material she was given like you know it's kind of in the same way that jamie fox isn't all that bad and amazing spider-man Two, but like what is that character like this this is an archetype now in superhero Literally. movies with the the awkward fan character mm-hmm. becoming the bad guy by the end and i think it's only ever really worked well in the incredibles you know yeah,
1: yeah. i was at, like when the movie started And I saw Christian Wick's character. I just turned to like Luke and I was like, I get it now. It's she's Jamie Foxx from The Amazing Spider Man 2. And he was like, Oh, well, should we turn it off? And I was like, Now we'll watch it. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I mean, there was definitely some cliches, there was, uh, um, the campiness is of it. Is fun at sometimes, but it gets really cheesy towards the end, um, and yeah. I, the criticisms. I, I can only imagine that the when they went in to uh, um, when they gave Patty Jenkins notes about the first movie, they must have said uh, that Wonder Woman didn't use the whip enough, um, because now that's all she uses in this movie. <laughs> Lasso, literally. L- Lasso, sir. Lasso, sorry. Not whip. Not whip. Jeez. I'm I'm sorry, guys. My Wonder Woman
0: lore and uh... what what really confuses me about this one is Patty Jenkins co-wrote it, and like you would think, you know, maybe that was one of the problems with the first movie is that the director didn't have a hand in the screenplay, and it could be even better yeah. with her involvement. But apparently, her ideas for the screenplay was that Wonder Woman will will spend the whole movie mourning over her man's from like 60 years ago which does not track for this character like i don't buy it like <laughs> wonder woman has so much going for yeah her. why would she still be hung up on this one guy from like world war one like i i didn't believe it and then also steve trevor's appearance in this movie is like completely bizarre it's like a fever dream the 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 way they bring him back for this movie is just and then crazy from like a moral standpoint and also from like a logistical standpoint why was it this way yeah and i mean the whole like
1: i mean no spoilers but you know the scene where she makes the decision you know it's not it's not because of the moral dilemma that came with bringing him back it's just because of all the stuff that was happening like in the world like since you know she made the 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 thing i can't i I don't want to spoil it for anybody that still hasn't seen it that wants to but it's just it's just so goofy you know like the whole idea of the movie and the and the villain is so goofy
0: um it 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 could have worked like i don't know i feel like especially if they embrace the 80s thing they had going for mm them the the, the villain could have worked because he's like totally he's totally an like, 80s commentary villain. on e- the the excess of the eighties yeah, too yeah. like and and that works well but like They're, they play it so seriously mm-hmm. and like it, it just the, it, it transcends like camp and mm-hmm. it's just bad you they know? they play it safe
1: too like I, I'm if they would just would have went full in eighties like aesthetic like completely I think I would have had a much better time with the movie but either way as it stands the first wonder woman is still entirely way leagues ahead better um and uh yeah i mean there's some i can't even say that i wasn't starting to get bored throughout some of this
0: like no it feels like it's five hours long. i know like and there's not even wh- that it's, many it's fights two scenes. and a half
1: yeah there's two and a half well
0: they um I feel like they only added in Kristen Wiig. So there would be one more fight scene. Cause there's like the one in the mall, there's one with the really bad green screen and her running. And then (laughs) there is the, the ending, which I mean, no spoilers or anything, but they've put like a night filter on it to cover up like bad CGI. And it's just like embarrassing that that is the climactic fight of the movie. Like, that's supposed to be the big throwdown for Wonder Woman. Like, really? This? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's disappointing, yeah. man. Just all-around disappointing movie. Because I really do like the first Wonder Woman. I do, like, too. I thought that was one of the better DC movies. Yeah. Well, DC, yeah, Right, right. Clarify.
1: Well, um, yeah, Wonder Woman 84. It's all right. But I did watch something that I was a little bit more impressed with. Um Ooh, what, what, what I have we started watching WandaVision on Disney Plus.
0: Oh. Oh my god, I still haven't seen the first two episodes. I feel I feel like I've failed. Like every podcast is definitely gonna be like, oh, WandaVision <laughs> this week and I'm just gonna have to ask you to not spoil no, it. No, <laughs> you're
1: good. I won't spoil I won't spoil anything or say too much about it, but I will say that I'm very pleased and my expectations were Pretty subverted with you know how they're doing this. Like, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't. The show doesn't completely stand on its own, obviously, because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like way too big right now. Um, not that they introduced any like characters from the MCU. It's just there's like references like all the time to other stuff. Um, like this isn't a spoiler, but like they do like a commercial at one point. Um, uh, like in the in the episode, it like fades out and goes to like a co- its own like commercial in black and white and everything, and it's about like a new toaster oven from Stark Industries. So there's like little oh, things wow. like that in there that I knew they couldn't you know help, <laughs> but just add in there. But, um, but no, like like Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, their performances, absolutely, amazing. The thing, what they're doing, um you know, with the time periods of, of the, the, you know, the shows that it uh, goes in. Like, uh, the, I believe the first episode was, like, the 40s or 50s, and then the second episode was, like, the 60s. And the, the second episode I really like because it's like, shows a transition uh, in, like, sitcom television, you know, era.
0: Um, yeah, something that maybe our generation would be more familiar with. Like, I've definitely thought watching the previews like a lot of us aren't gonna get like the 40s and 50s mm. aspect like you know maybe some of our parents have made us watch like leave it to beaver or yeah um, i love lucy i love lucy yeah.
1: yeah um and i i could definitely like i remember like watching those old shows and then watching that first episode i was like wow this is this is pretty cool they did this pretty well and uh um yeah i, I mean and obviously there's an overarching like narrative to the entire thing that like trickles in, um, a couple times in each episode. And it like, it's building like so much like mystery and it, it's really cool. Like I cannot wait, excuse me, cannot wait to see where the series goes. Honestly, Uh mini series, I, I, I should rather say it's only going to be nine episodes. Yeah. Um, which I'm fine with. I've decided because the story is intrigued me enough. You know, um, I highly recommend you you jump on it whenever you can. Maybe wait till this Friday though, when the third episode comes out, so you can watch like all three episodes. And they're only half hour episodes; they're not long at all.
0: Um, I probably will wait till the till the third one comes out. I don't know. I might give in and watch it today though, since I mean, since there's nothing but time on my hands. True, unless you know that crazy Trump supporter really does moon joe biden during his inauguration <laughs> then i might have to turn on the news cycle, <laughs> to find out what's going on uh, dude speaking of uh speaking of the news cycle uh i watched <laughs> well this is not a very good transition but yeah. i watched a uh, a carrie grant movie last week uh-huh. or this week we were supposed to have a Cary grant-a-thon it didn't quite work out that way but uh i watched the philadelphia story have you heard of it
1: um um, yes, I have heard it. I've just never seen it.
0: It It's, like, this really charming, like, uh, play, essentially, the, about, like, Catherine Hepburn and she divorces uh, Cary Grant and she's a, she's set to marry this new guy. And, like, on the eve of her wedding, Cary Grant comes back and is, like, playing up some angle and he brings some, like, reporter friends who have blackmail on Catherine Hepburn's dad and like, honestly, I feel like I'm kind of spoiling some of the the movie already. So I would just say that it's it's one of the funnier like older movies I've seen in a long time, and I thought it was really fantastic. Uh, Philadelphia Story is a is a must, and also it's worth noting that it was remade into a Frank Sinatra led film. Mm. No, um, oh, the guy from White Christmas, Bing Crosby led oh, film. Bing C- oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, high society, which features Frank Sinatra and Grace Kelly. So, that one apparently isn't as good, but Philadelphia Story, solid. Only Philadelphia movie
1: I've seen is Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. I haven't seen that one. Okay, but it's uh, he he did win the Oscar. He did. It's a good movie. Um, like actually, I I I don't think there's anything too problematic with it. I mean, there it's like the first. Uh, I believe re- I read something about it being the first movie to feature a homosexual character that made so much money at the box office or got, you know, so many awards or something like that, so... Um,
0: yeah, it feels kind of bold to, to cover AIDS, you mm-hmm. know, in film form at that time. Like, I know... 1994, but uh, Tony Kushner had already written Angels in America for the stage yeah. at that point, but... Um, and I think Philadelphia Story is nineteen ninety. I mean, no, Philadelphia is nineteen ninety three because then he went on to win Forrest Gump in ninety four. Mm. Uh, oh not yeah, good for that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah. But um, on top of Philadelphia Story, I, I watched two other movies, and I, I don't have much to say um, about Empire Strikes Back other than <laughs> it still is like maybe the best sequel ever made, uh, or you know a top contender for yeah. for that title. Uh, and I got to see it at the drive-in for the first time, which was incredible. Oh, which drive-in did you uh, go to? Oh, there's one in Little Rock. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. There's a there's a church that does it there, and it's it's really good. Um, I love I love going there. Uh, Ken and I have gone a few times. Um, but yeah, dude, it was it was it was the ultimate experience. Other than my car speakers, uh, they can't really handle bass anymore, so they're like. <laughs> <laughs> during any kind of like action scene right. <laughs> you know go with better car speakers if you go yeah um and this this is kind of a a, a point of shame for me but as a child i never finished jaws all the way through really? because it was too scary for me um and i i don't think i had watched it all the way through as an adult like i've caught the ending on tv a few times but I just watched Jaws all the way through from start to finish for the first time this week, and it is even better than I thought. You know, like yeah. there, right there, is a perfectly crafted like blockbuster. And I, I guess I just never realized like how shitty the mayor from Jaws was until I watched <laughs> the whole thing. Yep. That guy's, that guy's evil. Dude. Is the fact that he's reelected in Jaws two <laughs> is one of America's worst failings in this <laughs> democracy in this republic. That guy should not have come back, dude. But no, dude. Jaws, Jaws is incredible. I I really can't believe that it took me this long to, to to watch it completely. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, dude. I love Jaws. That's uh, that's one of the first movies that got me into filmmaking as a as a hobby and later a a career path. Jaws is uh, a very near and dear film to me. I think it's a it's one of those. It's one of a per. It's like it's like to me. It's like one of those perfect films. Um I lo- I love it I love it so
0: much Jaws Jaws is great um it, it definitely made me think like this is on par with Jurassic Park mm-hmm. um in terms of Spielberg's works like this is just a perfect little movie like I would say he's got so many movies like that like the the whole um Indiana Jones trilogy because it's a it's a trilogy of perfect movies there's there's a fourth one but it's not mm-hmm. it's not in that caliber right. obviously um that et um and then jaws and jurassic park are like Mm -hmm. all of his like perfection like those movies are just so pure and like even though there's flaws in there they're just like movies for people who love movies Mm -hmm. you know yeah definitely and I'm not saying that like he hasn't made any other like great movies. I'm just saying this is like probably what I think is his cream of the crop right there. Yeah,
1: yeah, most definitely. Yeah, Spielberg has a great career. Like he's got a lot of great movies, but Jaws is Jaws is is what got him on the map, and it's what really. Um, well, he's well, he started the whole blockbuster trend with Jaws. Jaws was one of the first movies to be classified as like this summer blockbuster and um and then obviously star wars um as well um but i mean yeah it's a it's a great movie it's high art and it's a blockbuster and it's great i love it
0: i uh you know speaking of art i was about to say speaking of high art i uh i saw some pretty high art recently that's pretty topical to, what, what'd you uh, watch? to today what did you watch well i watched the uh this this little indie feature called the trump prophecy oh really um and this has got to be one of the most interesting movies i've ever seen this is uh this is a christian feature believe it or not like this is believe it or completely not completely back <laughs> <laughs> this is completely backed by like a church um Like, everyone involved seems to, like, go to church together. And even this letterboxed review I have pulled up of it (laughs) is from a man who claims that he's best friends with everyone. I'll I'll read a little excerpt from this. Uh, Okay, so to preface this, my criticisms are not at all directed towards the people who worked on this film, which includes many of my best friends. I love you guys, but this is probably the worst film I've ever seen. Not really a film as much as a collection of short films, some of which have no connection to each other. Part one, a firefighter gets PTSD and makes prophecy. Part two, firefighters' doctor's wife hears about it and starts a weird prayer chain and introduces the shofar, which is a Jewish ramhorn. Part three, shofar compilation. Part four, Trump gets elected and the the prophet boy and prayer chick are hype. Part five, a literal music video about veterans. <laughs> Part six, 25 minutes of interviews with random people I've never heard of and also Michelle Bachman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I hate to say it, but that is the, the feature on display here. There's, there's shockingly little of, uh, of Donald Trump in a movie named the trump prophecy like i i definitely went into this expecting greatness because the trailer really really strikes at the core christians prayed trump into office by god and here's the inspiring story behind it um and it's a lot more boring than you'd think mm-hmm. like there, there's a little bit of action at the start the guy is a firefighter and uh i don't know like some generic little kid dies on the job and he's like oh god i can't take it and so he starts dreaming about satan and he quits his job as a firefighter but then one day and i i wish i was making this up but one day he falls asleep on his couch watching tv and like donald trump is like speaking mm-hmm. and he wakes up like we they don't even attempt to like show god in this movie which i don't know if that's like a a creative choice or a, a budgetary choice, but he wakes up and just starts writing in his journal and the worst voiceover I've heard and like since Blade Runner comes in and it's like <laughs> God spoke to me last night and he said the next commander in chief is the voice you're hearing. And then he, he, just in case we didn't get it as the audience, he writes the next line, Donald Trump will be the next president and it, it, what amazed me is that this movie ignores how people actually reacted to that, like, possibility, yeah. which is they laughed at it and hoped that every other Republican nominee would get nominated instead of Trump right. before reluctantly giving in to him. Like, in this movie, they like to pretend that Trump was the favorite of pure Christians the whole time. Yeah. Like, they There's, like—and again, there's hardly any Trump, but what they do have of him— it's not like inspirational at all. Like they play a clip of him in like the early debates of the 2016 election. And the other Republicans are like roasting him about like his taxes, like how no one knows <laughs> like his tax records and stuff or the, how he just came into money. Um, and they're all valid points against Trump. Right. But the, the movie's not disputing that they just go, wow, those other guys are being so mean to Trump. Does he even have a shot at winning? <laughs> oh my lord. Um, and yeah, there's like maybe two minutes of Trump. There's <laughs> at least ten music videos in this movie. Like, it's, it's not even all to do with, like, the troops. There's, like, a, a music video. The main character is like, I'm, I'm going to go to the shed and look at Dad and I's old boat. And then he goes to the shed and this, like, this, like, Christian music starts playing and he, like, <laughs> For four minutes, you just see him unveil the boat. Oh. He looks at the boat. He gets in the boat. He has a flashback about his dad and him in the boat. <laughs> and it doesn't tie back to anything. In the boat. It's, it's just the boat. And the, I mean, for a movie called The Trump Prophecy, I thought it was pretty heavy-handed that the side of the boat says Reagan Bush, 1984. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, man this is a political movie uh, like oh it had been so boring that i forgot that it was called the literal trump prophecy <laughs> no but I, I i think you know while i could dissect everything that happened in this movie i want to use it as an example of something i've noticed which is that christian movies have gotten so so bad and this is just like the worst low that they could sink to i yeah. feel like like this this solidifies that christian movies have been sinking in quality and that they have now hit the bottom of the ocean like oh right windows is mad at yeah, you yeah i know like. stupid stupid <laughs> little ugh. anyway but i thought it would be interesting to do an episode today where we <clears throat> uh where we track you know yeah trick christian movies you know where they started from a point of prestige to uh to now yeah which is the trump prophecy (laughs) and the likes of like god's not dead like Mm -hmm. i feel like that's a very interesting journey
1: yeah let's let's do it let's let's start this off with um i think really the first movie we have to look at or one of two movies when tracking um uh movies uh, Christian uh, themes or not even themes like straight up Christian movies you'd have to look at the Ten Commandments and uh Ben-Hur uh, I can't remember which yeah. one comes first uh, I know Ben-Hur was 1959 um and let me just see real
0: quick what uh I think Ten Commandments might have been a little bit before yeah 1956 sure. yeah so so the the interesting thing about Ten Commandments is that it's a this director came back and remade a movie that he already did about Moses. Like, he was like, this movie about Moses isn't good enough. I need to do another. And it at the time, it was, like, one of the most critically acclaimed movies ever. It was just this massive epic about Moses. And Charlton mm-hmm. Heston is, like, the perfect choice. Yeah. To, I mean, other than being a white guy is the perfect mm-hmm. choice yeah, true. <laughs> to play Moses. I mean, for the 50s, that's, like... Fine, yeah, I guess I don't know. I I feel like we should hold our religious movies to a higher standard if <laughs> if we're gonna right. like, cast yeah. our people,
1: but um, definitely. And it, it was an Academy Award-winning movie, The Ten Commandments was, and um, to think about that, like I know a lot of like you know Christians I know now they they complain about like. uh you know, Christian movies, they never get any Nobody ever, like, uh, gives them any press You know, they don't they don't go on to win, like, awards Like other secular movies And I, I just point them back about 70 years behind um, I'm like, well, the reason is probably Something went wrong here, you know Because we got, we have the Ten, the Ten Commandments Which is a piece of cinematic history That has some, uh, it has standards, you know like, mm-hmm. um, the whole, like interesting little, little funny, little tidbit here. Um, the, the parting of the Red Sea scene, um, was filmed in, um, uh, Paramount Studios back lot. And when I visited Paramount Studios in LA, um, several years back, um, I got to see, um, what is now a parking lot used to be a full, uh, full sized, like pool, and how they shot they shot the the parting of the red sea scene there and what they did was they like uh there was like a mechanism to like fill up the pool with water like super fast so they just basically filmed the scene in reverse they just flooded the pool uh with charlton heston there and then in like editing they just reversed the water flow so it looked like it was parting um which is pretty cool. Wow! But since then, that that pool that that was there has been covered up with cement and turned into like a back lot, like a parking lot. So, but my oh, uh, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. No, my tour guide, she was like this. This is where they filmed Ten Commandments, and then she told us all about it. I was like, ah, cool.
0: But yeah. Um, Damn, and and the the other uh, important fifties movie is uh is ben hur which i didn't realize also stars charlton heston Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i guess he's he's just uh he's very hireable at this point in his life definitely um but he's the title character ben hur and uh this movie if ten commandments is critically acclaimed this movie is like one of the highest regarded films ever made Mm -hmm. like people always refer to ben-hur for like it's amazing um like stunts like the chariot race in this movie mm-hmm. is is famous um the, it won the academy award for best picture mm-hmm. at the time it's just one of the most epic in scope movies ever made and like at the time probably the biggest film ever made and it's got heart behind it like yeah. i I, I, I hate to admit it, I haven't seen it all the way through.
1: I've only seen bits um, and pieces,
0: yeah. Yeah, I've 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 been referred to it through like film studies mm-hmm. and whatnot, but it seems like it, it lives up to the hype and I will I will yeah. definitely be watching it someday, but like all this to say, like religious movies in America used to have like stature and not only stature, but like This claim that Christian movies never get love from the academy is completely false because if you look at the history right here, you'll see that like Christian movies dominated the academy. Like these Mm -hmm. two movies were back to back, and uh, both of them won Oscars. You know, both of them were beloved by audiences at the time. Like, literally, this this shows that audiences in America are, are definitely you know, receptive mm-hmm. to these kind of movies, to these Christian movies. Not uh Ben Hur twenty sixteen no, by the way. No, no. Ben Hur nineteen fifty nine. Let's not let's not even entertain yeah. the idea that the remake has fans, you know. <laughs> we
1: don't want to be misconstrued here. Um <laughs> no. The Ben Hur nineteen fifty nine no, version, uh the four hour version, the epic, it, it won eleven Oscars. Like yeah, that's like that's, that wasn't topped until Return uh, I don't of the know. King. I don't if know there's if there's been I'm another right. movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. It, I mean, it's because re- Return of the King won thirteen. Like yeah, either way, you know that was a record, uh, for sure. I mean, it just it blows my mind that uh, that we have uh, we used to have movies like this with a, with a, that would literally at its like core was a Christian message, a Christian like theme, like Ben-Hur literally gets saved by like Jesus at the end, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, he
0: meets Jesus. They hang out for a little bit. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: cinematic, uh, uh, perfection. But after going from, going from, um, the Ten Commandments and Ben-Hur. I'm sure there were other Christian movies uh, in the 50s. I mean, honestly, the 50s, the, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, all the movies had Christian themes, um, at least, because the, yeah. it was the old Hollywood. They had the the Hayes uh, Code, um, which was the, the code uh, set by uh, Hollywood. Honestly, set by Christians. I'm, I mean, I'm not even going to lie here, because they... Uh, they were the gatekeepers of of what could be shown on film um and that's why in like early sitcoms they weren't allowed to show the the wife and the man in the same bed so they had to sleep in like two separate beds and then in in, in uh, film and movies in particular there was all kinds of restrictions on what could be said and what couldn't be said and movies were recut and re-edited and reshot into the ground and ruined because of the Hayes code um so we had you know 30, 40 years of that, um, and yeah, we got some we got some really great movies out of it. Not I'm not lying, like not uh, not saying it was all bad. Like you know it was a very restrictive code, but there were a lot of great movies. But you know, moving on from that, from you know Ben Hur and uh, the Ten Commandments, we got stuff like The Passion of the Christ and. uh and, uh, the, ten- the
0: last temptation of Christ by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I'll argue, you know, Jesus Christ superstar in the seventies yeah. also like Warner's like a lot of, of love, like not only like on film, but like, uh, on stage too, mm-hmm. that that's like one of the most critically acclaimed musicals of all time. Um, you know, people really, really dove for Jesus and that that's kind of the first step I think because I mean there there's like movies like Prince of Egypt that still talked about Moses mm-hmm. but I think after Ben her Christian media kind of zeroed in on on Christ himself you know mm-hmm. like, like even Martin Scorsese you know couldn't couldn't look away like he last temptation of Christ theres three hours of Jesus
1: yeah <laughs> resisting
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> temptation yeah <you>
1: know? yeah <laughs> And what I like about Martin Scorsese is that like he makes movies to like either like challenge his beliefs or to explore his own beliefs. He like explores things um in his movies pretty well. And with The Last Temptation of Christ, that was basically him exploring his you know his own views on uh on Christianity. He I think he's uh he's Catholic, I believe. Isn't he? Uh
0: that makes sense. Uh yeah. Uh- I think I think that his generation is mostly Catholic mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did that, and he did Silence, which you know I guess that's that's one that people would argue I guess is a good modern Christian movie like that. There's still some mm-hmm. coming out. You know? Well,
1: that that and Hacksaw Ridge um, are the ones. Yeah, Mel Gibson strikes again. Mm-hmm. Which I, when I was growing up, I heard everybody talk about you know. Uh, the passion of the Christ being like they like my, I remember my mom always told me like yeah you can watch that movie when you get a little bit older it's a little bit too you know gory for younger people and there was e- there, but there was even an outrage over that movie by Christians saying that like um, if I do remember correctly they didn't like it because it it was just like the torture scenes for like Jesus being crucified was like too long and I'm like but th- this is like what you
0: this is what we preach about i you know about the i don't know i i like i kind of sympathize with people like that because my my grandfather uh really loves this movie both my grandparents really love this movie um and they they have us watch it at a very young age like all my little cousins saw it probably before the age of of eight um i think i saw it as soon as it came out back in the day or came out on home video and i i think that movie is straight up torture porn for christians i don't know dude. like there's like a normal amount of like <laughs> watching jesus get beat up mm-hmm. and <laughs> dunked on but uh <laughs> i don't know dude i saw this movie way too young and i i guess it's always kind of skewed my view of it as being a bit excessive like mm-hmm. You know, sure, the whole religion is founded on the killing of of Jesus and him dying for everyone's sins, but like, man, th- Mel Gibson seems to kind of like relish in that. Like, I don't know, I, does I, make I do appreciate movies. that the whole movie is done like in Hebrew, and mm-hmm. like, you know, Tim, Jim Jim is playing like a pretty good, like. Res- like, he's not overdoing it as Jesus. Like, I feel like the temptation whenever an actor plays Jesus is to be just, like, so big with it. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. so, like, I am the best person that has ever lived. and Yeah. look at me. And I don't know. It was interesting, I guess, to see, like, this Jesus at his lowest point in that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and also i wish i hadn't seen it
1: (laughs) i mean i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and act like i've seen like the full movie like i haven't like i i never got to like around to watching it i want to watch it but i have seen the the scenes of like the torture and the crucifixion and stuff it's it's pretty gory stuff it's pretty i guess i would agree with you it's like torture porn um because like i remember when they like one scene where he like takes a whip to his face and is like eye like pops out i was like oh my lord Uh. it's like stuff you would see on game of thrones but it's like for christians Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and it's just crazy to me like i i i really guess like passion of the christ was probably like the starting the jumping off point for christian media like going downhill because i feel like after mel gibson made that and after the outrage of The Last Temptation of Christ, like, Christians did not like that movie uh, for whatever... I can't remember what the reason was, but I think... Well, I they, they
0: they either love it because it's like, oh, finally, here's, like, a movie that depicts at its core the, the, the crucifixion, the, the, the very center of our religion, or they hate it because, well, violence, it sure ain't... Uh, It sure don't align with our Christian values, and the reason I don't like it is because I do. I do think it is a bit excessive, with its, with its violence and its length, and Mm -hmm. I I resent being shown it at a young age, and I I I feel bad for any kid who has to sit down with their grandparents and watch this movie because oh my god, trauma, traumatizing, (laughs) traumatizing. But yeah, I think that that a lot of Christian filmmakers on a on an independent level yeah. decided that this was like the last straw and they needed to make some good, decent Christian movies. Yeah. Which uh which I think brings us to the Kendrick brothers. The Kendrick Brothers, exactly. Alex Kendrick and Stephen Kendrick. Um and their first big hit uh Fireproof. Yeah. This is this is a two thousand eight movie. Um and sticking with the Trump prophecy, it is also about a firefighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed that. I was like, hmm. The- I guess firefighting is like the, the chosen career of Christians or something. I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. Because <laughs> um, fire is like the tool of Satan or something? I don't know. I don't
1: Man, it, it beats me. All I know is that these movies are, they progressively got worse, like, they were No, they were never good, but, you know, the, their first movie they ever made called Flywheel about, like, a, a car salesman who, I guess, I think he, like, finds Jesus, um, and there's, like, an allegory for, like, the flywheel in a car is, like, what makes the car, like, run without a flywheel, a car won't run, and they, they do a whole metaphor and whatever, and I, anyway, oh my God. yeah, <laughs> I know, I remember watching it years and years ago, but, um, but flywheel was their first one did you just fall on your desk uh, no i accidentally tapped oh. the tap the pot filter no, you're, might be. no you're good sounded like your head just like hit the fucking desk <laughs> <laughs>
0: um it was because of flywheel yeah
1: <laughs> anyway but yeah they made flywheel but get this they made it for $50,000 um, holy which is it's probably really Actually, not probably. I know it's like inspiring to a lot of people. Like, wow, they, they like people like the Kendrick brothers aren't even filmmakers. They're they're pastors, from what I if I do remember correctly, or they're like members of like a big church and whatnot. And they made they managed to get fifty thousand dollars to make Flywheel, and then they got around a hundred thousand dollars to make Facing the Giants, which was what got them like notoriety, uh, which is a, the football movie, um, which is probably the least worst. Uh, of all, or the least awful out of all of them that I've seen, um, I remember actually facing the giants. Not even not not being like awful. Like, yeah, it's a bad movie, but like, it could have been a lot worse. I guess I flywheel was worse than it, and then after that. They did fireproof and. F-
0: uh, okay, so that's like their third. Yeah, it's movie. their third. But I was under the impression it was like their first.
1: Oh no, no, no! They did Flywheel and facing the giants first. Facing the giants was their that was a big hit for them. But you you're right in saying fireproof was what really got them famous because fireproof had like I think it was like a five million dollar budget or like ten million. No, five hundred
0: thousand. Oh, five hundred thousand.
1: Okay. Sorry. But
0: what happened is it made it made 33 million dollars which is like 66 times right their budget like they they made their budget back so many times over and it was actually like the highest grossing indie movie of 2008 which it feels weird to call this movie an indie movie but Mm -hmm. i mean they did do it on their own and only like through through like evangelical organizations Mm -hmm. were they able to spread it as efficiently as they did yeah And this this one is like the first that I feel like is really heavy handed with like what modern Christians believe, you know, they're under the impression that like pornography and sex is like terrible. So at the center of this movie, the firefighter is like struggling with his his porn addiction. It's so sinful, but he he loves jerking it online. You know, he's on he's on Pornhub. He's on RedTube. He's on. He's on xxx.videos, Simpsons homegrown stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's a quote from uh, from I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Great <laughs> show. But um, he, uh, from what I understand, he's just so addicted to porn, he can't even function. And so his wife's leaving him mm-hmm. and you know, God compels him to destroy his, his computer and his wife still files for divorce. But then, <laughs> because he's a good Christian by the end of the movie and he, and you know...
1: Like, they renew their Christians vows. Christians believe
0: you go through confession. Yeah, yeah, they renew their vows and they get married. Um, and so, a lot of this plot sounds interesting on paper, but it's worth noting that critics uh, hated this movie. Yeah, Like, it's... Uh, The Austin Chronicle criticized the movie, saying that it makes for fruitful soul-fishing, but lousy drama. Um, Fireproof stops becoming relatable to us all and only to the already or easily indoctrinated. And while it's hardly sophisticated in its approach and certainly not polished in its technical elements, oh, the film does get the heartfelt message across with undeniable sincerity. Oh, that... The Hollywood Reporter actually liked it, it seems like. Oh. Oh, wow, wow, wow. That's interesting. But it, it does have a 40% on, on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. I would say <laughs> that uh, most of the people don't like this movie. Yeah. And I, and I think it is because of how the Hollywood Reporter just admitted right there. They don't really try in these movies with the technical element. Like, I think every modern Christian movie I've seen has been terribly shot. And directed, Mm -hmm. and most of all, paced. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think any of these movies are very, very exciting, and they all seem Mm -hmm. to be like two hours long, whether they need to be or not. You know.
1: Yeah, that and that's what I was gonna say is is newer Christian media, you know, (gasps) since the '90s or since the I guess the uh, late '90s, early 2000s has been more about preaching a message than making a film. the The Kendrick Brothers have no idea what film entails. They have no idea like that I I don't even think they know that it's an art form, honestly. I don't I don't really think they do. They're using it by their
0: own admission, they're not filmmakers, right? L- literally,
1: by their own admission, like they're not like and and they just wanted to make like and I'm not bashing on them just because they um you know, back in 2003, they decided to get $50,000 together to make their own little, like, like their own indie movie. Like, I'm not, like, that's fine. But now they've got budgets in the millions. Like, their newest movie, like, Overcomer, I think, was like, had like a $50 million budget. There's...
0: That's insane. I know.
1: And, 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 and at a certain point, you have to start... Thinking And you have to, you have, they have to be criticized now because what started as like them making movies mainly like to maybe preach a message, they're, they're trying to pass off as films with merit that have merit to them that they want people to, to watch. And it's, it's bad. Like there's no real story to like new Christian movies and, and it, it's just preaching a message. And if you want to preach a message, then you go to church and you hear a message or you, or you read about it. But if you want to get a message across in an art form, like film, you have to know you have to, you have to dig deep and figure it, figure out, you know what film is first. And they have not the slightest clue, you know, from all the Kendrick brothers movies that I've seen. And I think I've seen, I think I've seen four of them. Um they, they don't they they' and they haven't learned at all. Um, which which brings me to our biggest our, our biggest offender of new Christian media, which is God's not dead, um all three iterations see- no, I mean, all this three this is
0: those. definitely where, like, as you're saying, like if Christianity, well, I mean, if Christian movies like as a whole weren't interested in making a movie anymore and more so uh giving a message god's not dead is where they weren't even concerned with like giving a good message anymore so much as like trying to prove a point to like oh yeah people outside of the religion like this is this is bad what you're doing <laughs> this is bad bad and we hate people who disagree with Literally. us because god's not dead is a very it's not even veiled like look at like education like christians mm-hmm. disagree with the education system because it doesn't teach what christians would prefer yeah they would teach and like the thing is like back in the day with ben-hur and in ten commandments like these movies are getting made because uh directors who happen to be christian are just telling stories from their religion and it's like it's an open view for anyone mm-hmm. to look in there like i love prince of egypt i love uh, yep. movies like that because mm-hmm. they're just pure movies and you can experience those stories and, mm-hmm. and really appreciate them for what they are what's so infuriating about modern christian movies is that you know even other christians at this point are like guys <laughs> yeah right <laughs> we, need to, we need to like get back on track what is this because god's not dead is the ultimate what is the point of this movie like I, I think the premise is like the the student takes one class and it's like the, the most heavy handed shit ever like the professor's just like mm-hmm. now write in your book that God is dead which by yeah. the way happens at no universities no, no uni- none of none them, of them. <laughs>
1: I, I've actually, I, I actually watched God's Not Dead I was dragged to the theater to see it um, and I can tell you did you watch it for Duck Dynasty Guy? uh <laughs> My brother only wanted to watch it for the Doug Dynasty guy, but uh. no, um, no, it's it, it's it's if it's, like you can hear about God's not dead and think like, oh, it's so stupid. But honestly, just you need to watch it. Honestly, just just watch it because it is it is heinous. Just he literally the first day of class, he, he hands them it, what it is. It's a it's a it's a, a slip of paper. Uh, like a like something your parents would have to sign but he's making the students sign it so that they don't have any because he's going to be talking about like the big bang theory and and evolution and he talks about like uh he says we're going to teach this class this way and just to like basically dissuade people from arguing with me about like creationism versus evolutionism or evolution not evolutionism evolution uh sign this paper that says uh, that god is dead which is okay first of all would never happen in a college university setting because that that's not allowed like you can't do that you that's
0: you can't religious persecution is something that is not allowed at most universities i'm sure at like several privatized (laughs) christian universities like Mm -hmm. you know a muslim student wouldn't be welcome so maybe we'll see that in like that category but yeah yeah <laughs> you yeah. know in public school religious persecution is not allowed and it just doesn't happen like that yeah like no
1: i've I've <laughs> this is a literally never been been i've never seen or been persecuted at college for religion and i haven't persecuted anybody like it there's like a huge like stigma stigmatism to uh wait is that the word or st- is it stigma it's stigma. stigma. I said stigmatism. That's the I thing. I'm so stupid. Okay, that's, okay. that's okay. Anyway, uh, there's a huge stigma with Christians and how they view college universities. It, I grew like I grew up thinking that college was going to be like a, a tough road for me. Turns out, college has been like the best thing in my life. Uh, and God's not dead. Just like persuades, you know young christian people to not go to college and instead go to like a christian college where they won't be persecuted or uh you know just maligned for their views and that that's just not how that's just it's just not true and it's
0: fear-mongering it is like that's that's truly like the basis of like conservative christianity Mm -hmm. is fear-mongering like if you if you go and do this if you open up to these people They'll they'll send you to hell. Essentially, you know, like right. you're you're on the path of uh, of sin, and you're on the path of Satan. Like you need to like keep your mind closed to those ideologies and like consume more Christianity. Yeah, like led institutions. Like it's not very surprising to me. I I I listened to a podcast this year about like guns rights in America, and um, oddly. Christians have become the uh, the, the, the main uh, champions of, of gun rights in America. Mm-hmm. Like most gun movements are led by Christians because a lot of them believe that it is their God-given right to, to own a weapon. Um, but in that podcast, they talked about um, this Reformation movement that Christians that a lot of Christians are leading, which is to completely destroy public schooling, and uh replace it with uh christian based schooling and i think that movies like god's not dead and like movies like the trump prophecy are christian fear-mongering at its worst to to uh promote <laughs> a belief that most christians don't even share which is that we should reform all of our public institutions yeah to to be led by christians like that has never been the point of this religion yeah i feel like no and and christian people will
1: tell you that like like real like they don't there's you know it's um i'm like losing my words here just cuz it baffles me like so much like i i have a lot of like like i grew up like christian like i have my all my family is 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 christian and i obviously still have the values and stuff. Um, but like growing up around it and I'm sure you did too. Um, yeah, it's, it pains me because like at its core, it's not at all what the religion is about. And it has been so misconstrued and, and it like people it's that have such a, um, negative view of Christianity when honestly, if you, if you really look at Christianity, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like this negative of a, of a religion, you know, it, like the, like it's not, it's not about that, you know, like God's not dead. That's not, that's not Christianity. Fireproof, uh, facing the giant, all that, all that stuff, the Trump prof, especially the Trump prophecy. It's not what it's supposed to be about. It's not, it's not even a good message that that's pretty. Yeah,
0: Trump prophecy would would argue that like, you know, we're supposed to blindly support like things mentioned in the Bible, like Israel. Like they literally, the ending of the Trump prophecy is thirty minutes of interviews about the Israel Palestine situation. And how now that Trump's in office, you know, he's going to back Israel. You know, they completely take out any nuance in that situation, and they say. Like, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. We need to go to war with Palestine because, you know, in the Bible, the Israelites are are the chosen people of God. And it's like, you don't actually believe that way. Like, you're playing this at an angle, you know, you profit directly off of war with Palestine. And like, I think that's the thing that's sickening about a lot of these Christian movies is that, you know, it's not Christianity And yet it's going under the guise of that while really it's a way for the people making these movies to like make money off of a cheap message. Like Mm -hmm. I sincerely doubt that every Christian filmmaker making movies like this are are that devout, you know, like, yeah, I bet a lot of them do it because it is an easy buck. You know, these movies make money at the box office and they and they push that message even further that like all other media is bad. You've got to mm-hmm. stick to Christians. Like that's why there's that streaming service, Pure Flix, mm-hmm. you know, yep. because it's that it's, they're pushing this agenda that like you need to consume strictly Christian media. Everything else is sinful. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get terrible content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, right. Like the <laughs> stuff on Pure Flix. I, uh,
1: I think, I think honestly, this, this is a, like what we're talking about is summed up perfectly with a, a quote by C.S. Lewis um, who did Ooh. Chronicles of Narnia. He's like, he once said, we don't need Christians writing more Christian books. We need more Christians writing good literature. Like, which is so, like, which literally is is, is like our thesis of, you know, like what we've been talking about. It's, it's not that... It's not that Christians can't make good movies. It's that they choose to preach a message over making a good film first and foremost, or writing a good book. It's it's just what you would hear on a Sunday, you know, morning or a Wednesday night kind of kind of message translated poorly, translated over into
0: another medium, Um, and. Yeah, I mean... I, I, th- I think feigning persecution is, is like, a big issue with this, you know? Like, Christians act like they are the most... Well, a lot of Christians act like they are the most persecuted religious group in the world. Yeah. And, like, just admit that, like, it bugs you that other religions and other ideas are, are being put out there. Um, and then stay out of it. Like, don't... Yeah. Don't make media... <laughs> strictly to shut down other people's views because it shows and it's Mm -hmm. not good like you know that's what makes these movies so bad is they're so heavy-handed and they're so like they don't even hide like the spite that they have for other ideologies yeah like we do need to return to like a time where christians are just making yeah like good films Mm -hmm. or or good speeches you know you don't have to You don't have to have it this way and i think that's the thing i want to i really want to stress is i don't think that christianity is a bad religion i don't Mm. think that christian film is doomed to this (laughs) like um to this purgatory it's in right now this this living hell that it seems like like i do think that if we we you know screw our heads on straight and uh we see christian filmmakers like actually return to like trying to mil- make legitimate movies, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I think it could turn out well, like Yeah. Just tell a tell a story, don't shout at me. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: Yeah, there's like and there's still glimmers of like of 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 like christian like messages in film that like christians don't even realize because I I don't think and this is not Like me trying to say that I'm not saying Christians are stupid. I'm saying a lot of them don't don't really know how to read film, you know? So like, for example, like, I mean, I guess like, I mean, it's not hard to get like, like a movie like Hacksaw Ridge, which is a very like Christian movie. Was not even given a thought By the Christian community Like I had my parents watched it, watch it And they liked it But nobody else watched it Because there's like language in it Or because there's too much blood Or there's too much killing uh, And movies like Silence by Martin Scorsese That's another one Nobody watched it nerd like may, <clears throat> not that nobody watched it but no christians talked about it because yeah. a guy gets decapitated or there's also cursing in it or something or they or maybe they didn't like it because it's literally about a guy having his faith tested and it's kind of uh not not like not not maybe the happy ending that they would expect like it's just if they would just like know like if branch out, you know, into into the secular world of film, there's, there's a lot of good movies that, that still get made that have, like, Christian, you know, themes and values, and um, that I would argue that they would actually like if they would just get out of the mindset of just wanting to hear something preached, like, on a Sunday morning, um, in movie form, like, it's so, it's so bad. That is so bad. Yeah. Like, I can't even fathom it. Like, I hate it so much. It's it's the, the story and the writing of new Christian media is so, so bad.
0: It's also, and I mean, I know we're going a little bit over, so I'll try and wrap this up soon. But, I like, uh, it's also predominantly white, and it's so hard to look away from the fact that most Christian movies are, like, Mayonnaise in in in, mm-hmm. in film form. Yeah, like would it hurt you to like go it, like the African American community is heavily involved oh, in the yeah. church, like especially in the South. Like mm-hmm. you know, in, in Georgia, we've just had our first Black senator elected to to office, Raphael Warnock, who is a pastor. Like, is it so hard to find voices like Black voices like that to mm-hmm. like help you make your movies? Right, like no one is forcing you to cast like all white people in your movies and no having a token black character does not count <laughs> does not make your movie diverse right like just because the best friend character is black and he says yes i love jesus too that does not make your yeah. movie diverse yeah, <laughs> like right. it's still a white screenwriter it's still a white director and you clearly only cast him because maybe you thought about diversity for like a split second like yeah. that's not representation though <laughs> Right, yeah, um yeah, I agree
1: <laughs> um, oh, one other thing I know we are I know we're getting you know a little stretch of time, but I have to mention there was one Christian movie that I watched that I actually enjoyed because oh. it wasn't necessarily about preaching a message, it was actually just it had a good story and it was based on a true story. About a football player that was actually from Harrison, Arkansas. Oh,
0: ooh, I know this. It's, I know this. Uh, it's called Greater. Oh, never mind. You I don't thought know? you were going to talk about The Blind Side. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I ne- never saw it. No, I
1: didn't, no, no. Greater was made here in Arkansas. It was an it was an indie film uh, for a smaller budget, but it it actually just got put onto Netflix. I think it's um, because it's just it's literally it was a football player that that. um he was a really good football player and he happened to be like a Christian and he, he died tragically in a, in a a car accident. But the movie is about him being a Christian going into the football world and like trying to like keep his like beliefs uh, and stuff when they're like tested. And there's, from what I remember, I don't believe there's a whole lot of heavy handed like messaging in it and it's literally just about the life of this of this kid uh who died like at a very young age i think he was like 20 like 23 24 or something but he was like it's like an underdog story basically he was like the underdog and he made it into this like prestige like arkansas like football team anyway i remember it was just kind of good and i was like you know what this actually wasn't half bad like if we could just, you know, do what they did, they focus more on, on, on a character, you know, and in a character's journey rather than uh, sending people a message. Like, there was no deco- defined, you know, uh, message in, in that, or like, uh, um, can't think of what the word is, but uh, yeah, anyway, that that one was kind of good. I liked, I liked that one. Of course, although it has well, been damn. like four or five years since I've seen it, so it warrants me another rewatch, but... Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out
0: there because I just remembered that. So, Okay. Well, dang. Oh, well, Maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> Probably not. But <laughs> really right. that sounds better than all the other stuff we've been talking about, yeah. to be honest. Um, well, guys, let us know in the Twitter what's the
1: worst Christian media movie that you've ever seen.
0: Or any good ones. Or, you yeah, know, yeah, if yeah, you can yeah. think there of any. some
1: good ones out there. Old or new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let us know, man. Yeah. This is a. This has been an enlightening episode. Ha ha. Buh, buh, ching. This has
0: been a very sinful oh. episode. Um, you know, Casey. I'll see you in hell. You've been a couple times, but you know, apparently yeah. we've died a few times on the podcast. But you know, why not? Uh. Oh, dude. You know what I just noticed? Mm. We're already there. Dun dun dun.